0: Hi and welcome to Sales Stuff, a sales podcast about everything regarding sales. Today I have my guest Mike, who is spearheading the sales op team at Smash Top. and today we'll be talking about sales operations, how he got to where he is today, and just take it from there. So, Mike, thank you for jumping on this podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Leah. Really appreciate it. Great stuff. So. Mike, you know, we me mean you have spoke back and forth on LinkedIn the last couple of days. You know, I just thought mm-hmm. this would be a perfect opportunity to really get to know you and so the viewers can get to know you and, and learn a bit more about you as well. So yeah. tell us how you got to where you are today.
1: Yeah, sure thing, Leo. So I've always been fascinated by this idea of startups, mm-hmm. wearing multiple hats and the ability to work cross-functionally. During my senior year, I ended up volunteering at an early stage mental health startup. It was called Peggy Joe where we were designing an open source application focused on building AI for mental well-being. In 2018, I received my bachelor's in cognitive science with a specialization in artificial intelligence and human-computer interaction from the University of California, Santa Cruz. But at that time, my primary interests and experiences were in end-to-end product design. So my goal was to break into the industry as a junior product designer. But after college, I ended up doing some contract work at two other early stage startups, Mindglow and Corcus. At Mindglow, we used the immersive benefits of VR to help redefine workplace safety training. And given my interest in design, I was primarily responsible for building out design concepts through utilizing things like user flows, wireframes, and mock-up. That being said, I was also able to dabble a little bit into the sales process, doing some cold outreach and follow-ups via LinkedIn and email. Where I really got my jumpstart into sales was at Corcus, where we were focused on building tools for content creators and influencers to help promote their businesses and brands. And this is where I learned what a sales pipeline is and what it looks like, and as well as what it meant to build a pipeline from scratch. I was sending about 100 plus what I thought at the time were quote-unquote personalized emails uh, to book sales appointments. And then fast forward to the start of 2020, I landed my first full-time role out of college as an inbound SDR at Splashtop, where we provide remote access solutions that allow you to access another computer on a separate network. And during my time as an SDR, I began to realize that my interests were actually in developing strategies to help solve operational challenges and increase revenue growth. So basically I asked my manager if I could potentially assist with some additional sales ops related project, And he happily agreed. From there, I was able to build a narrative that allowed me to fully transition into becoming Splashop's first official sales ops hire. And it's definitely been quite the journey so far with all the pivots and transitions, but I love it.
0: Yeah, that's amazing, you know, in how you've had a startup experience with different startups, um, Mm -hmm. because I've worked at only one myself. And and I guess, you know, you said the ability to pivot. And I guess that's probably one of the reasons Mm -hmm. why you love being at a startup is just that freedom and the ability to pivot, create processes. Mm -hmm. that's amazing so let's dive in a bit more into your first sales experience at caucus so you know tell me the first day you did sales until the last day Mm -hmm. you did sales there you know what were you doing in particular
1: yeah i mean given it was a startup there was a lot of things all over the place (laughs) i actually started with design so i was doing some contract design work it was mainly graphic design uh, working with content creators to understand like if they were trying to build out a merch line Something I helped out with was basically helping design some merch for a particular YouTuber. And from there, they noticed my ability to communicate was what really drove me towards uh, potentially moving into sales. And the CEO was all like, hey, I know your interests are in design, but would you be open to moving into sales? And then from there, it became like, I was open to it because I was just trying to learn. At this point, like early on in my career, I really found it interesting. And like this idea of being able to learn as many things as possible to just really figure out what I wanted to do. Because I mean, like I mentioned earlier, I was into end-to-end product design, but I didn't actually know if that's what I really wanted to do. That's just what I thought I wanted to do. But yeah, from my first day in sales at at Corcus, it was basically learning what particular sales terms there were, sales terminology in general. I was like completely unaware of certain things. I didn't know what a sales pipeline was. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I had to learn everything from what that looks like and what it meant to build a pipeline from scratch. Cause given that it was an early stage startup, I was like technically employee number four of four <laughs> and basically I was helping drive some marketing outreach and trying to create basically some engagement from there and turn that into sales-qualified leads. But yeah, that was basically the extent of like my experience at Corcus. It wasn't really beyond typical what we, you would consider like a BDR role or SDR role.
0: Mm-hmm. Understood. So yeah, I'm looking at your uh, LinkedIn page, and I, I see here that you were doing some data scraping, um, automation, mm-hmm. and so on, because I'm, I'm a big fan of that. I'd love to know what, oh, you, what you were doing with, while you were doing that.
1: Yeah, so basically, what we were doing was mainly trying to get some information from content creators and influencers. So our CEO has a very technical background. And so basically, he was helping do some data scraping. And then I was organizing that information to like some digestible pieces. So that way we could understand our target market audience. Because at that early stage startup, and just in general, in terms of trying to leverage and figure out what things look like we didn't really know what product market fit looked like because that's what we were trying to figure out so through doing stuff like data scraping and whatnot we were able to cater and build a lot more personalized experiences
0: amazing you know yeah for me what some of the stuff i do is sometimes when you see a linkedin post you can Mm -hmm. use tools like phantom buster that scrape the people that like the post and then if you Mm. want to put them through an email finder to find the contact and contact them. We've to contact them via LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. You can do that. And that's some of the stuff I, I like to experiment with because it's just just interesting stuff. That's awesome. So again, one of the things that, you know, maybe love because we've all been there is you <laughs> mentioned you thought you were sending personalized outbound messages. Was there a learning yeah. curve there?
1: Yeah, no, there definitely was a learning curve because there is such a, a need for like trying to get the message across to a lot of people definitely heavily relied on automation and trying to send automated emails. So I definitely had to learn what it meant to personalize emails because what I thought was personalization was like, oh, you include their name. Um, (laughs) So it was a really bad process, right? So at this time, it was like include their name, maybe include something that interests you of like their content, something like you've watched or seen. And like, it wasn't really what you would quote basically actually personalization in a sense mm-hmm. it was more of like certain things that you can include in a message that make it seem personalized
0: yeah i was the same i was thinking first name company name like come on <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then they're basically and then what i was, what I was doing as well is just going on to linkedin and then trying mm-hmm. to find any tips and then everyone would say personalized but there wouldn't be that many examples and then you that's when you have to really dig in if start reading and following like sales trainers, such as Josh Braun mm-hmm. and Beth Collin, for example, that really walk you through on what personalization is. And mm-hmm. that's, that's how I learned. And again, it is a lot of trial and error as well. Exactly. Cool. So moving on to Splashtop, you know, then you moved into an inbound sales development role. So mm-hmm. tell me a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah. So my role as an SDR was very interesting because this is where I actually learned uh, what sales process Is supposed to look like or a dedicated process in a sense. So it was great because I was learning alongside other colleagues Mm -hmm. who were also SDRs. So, like, prior to Splashtop at Quarkus, I was basically the SDR, the only SDR alongside like a CEO. So, in this sense, I learned what it meant to be able to learn from others and basically gain experience from talking to them, understanding how they're doing certain things and their messaging, their copy as well as like how they communicate to prospects and potential customers.
0: Interesting, and was there anything you picked up in particular that really stood out to you and that you've taken away to this day?
1: Yeah, I mean, from talking to people, I really think the biggest thing I learned was asking questions, mm-hmm. because there's like a learning curve for everything, or at least this is my thought process. There's a learning curve for a lot of different things you wanna learn in life, but if you're not willing to ask the questions, then you won't really get the clarity that you need to basically move forward. So from my understanding, by being able to ask questions that you might even think is like repetitive, you're actually reinforcing your own learning and being able to move forward and move that needle to where it needs to go.
0: Yeah, I could not agree with you more on the questions. Yeah, And even just learning how to ask the tough questions is one Mm -hmm. of the things that really held me back because I think um, just possibly being... European as well, is that sometimes we're a bit more reserved when asking <laughs> these yeah. kind of questions. And uh-huh. it was, I realized it was holding me back. Um, so one mm-hmm. of the things I realized is when you're asking a tough question, they kind of mention, hey, look, this might be a tough question, but do you do X, Y, and Z? And that yeah. really helps move the needle along, which you're right. So a bit more on the kind of day-to-day activities of that inbound rep, because you know, what <clears> was your day looking like? And then how did you set yourself efficiently throughout the day?
1: Yeah. So what I love about Splashtop is they basically give you a lot of flexibility. So they basically train you on certain processes of like how to do inbound qualification and trying to understand customer journey. And so basically a lot of my day-to-day as an SDR would be taking inbound chat from our website. So we have like a chat bot that basically pushes to SDR queue and then one of our SDRs will pick up the chat and then start chatting with a prospect that way. Or we'll take inbound calls. So basically, prospect or customer will potentially call into our sales line, and then we'll be able to assist them with any inquiries they have a product or any of our solutions that we provide.
0: Understood. And then, was there anything that you picked up on while doing this? You know, how can I get, because I used to do the same with, for example, in mm-hmm. the chatbot. And my thinking was, how can I get this person into a meeting? Was there anything that you did in particular?
1: Yeah. I mean, what I really try to do was not really force a conversation. So I really tried to start the conversation with understanding their needs versus me trying to provide them with a solution based on me making assumptions. So I think it's really important to validate your own thinking by asking questions again, like I mentioned earlier, because if you do that, the conversation will be a lot easier and you'll be able to find a particular flow that makes sense for both you and the prospect and then potentially schedule a meeting that way.
0: Yeah, completely agree on that one. You know, it's all about making sure that you're not pushing mm-hmm. the prospect to do anything, you know, making them feel comfortable to make the decision to jump themselves. Exactly. And that's all about you providing the, the right information and then following up with the right questions as well. Mm-hmm. So, one of the things that I, you know, what really attracted me to you is how you, you made the jump for yourself into sales operations. So, you know, mm-hmm. what were you doing as an SDR that made you interested into, in sales operations?
1: Yeah, sure thing. So, basically, when I was at SDR, I was noticing a lot of things in terms of our processes and mm-hmm. like our tools, particularly our tools, our tech stack. And so I was trying to really understand how I can increase the productivity of our SDRs through driving continuous improvements in the use of virtuals. tools. So that would be like me taking some time outside of work to reinforce my learning in terms of Salesforce. Because technically, Splashtop is also the first time I got my hands-on experience on Salesforce. So what I ended up doing was taking trailhead courses outside of work just to reinforce that knowledge and be able to share that with the team. Because I think... For me, what I really love about sales operations is this part of enablement where you really basically get to share information that's going to benefit you, not just you, but your team as well. And so that way you're pushing the needle a lot faster versus like if you're just keeping the information to yourself and trying to make yourself look good. I mean, that's not a bad thing, but at the same time, I think it's awesome when you're able to share information and grow alongside your team.
0: Yeah. Understood. And one of the things that I've seen is tech stack, right? It's just, there's there's loads of other Mm -hmm. tools, you know, are you trying to look, are you trying to integrate them all together like uh,
1: Zapier or some sort? Yeah. So, I mean, at this time, we're not trying to do that. I mean, basically what we try to do is integrate natively. If there's a native integration between our tools that we use, but basically as long as there's like some way to track information that we need access to, Uh, That's the most important thing for us to be able to track our performance and whatnot. So right now, we're definitely looking at solutions to understand like how we can basically make our tools communicate a little bit better amongst each other. But that's not like a main priority. Our main priority is to basically utilize the tool to the best capability that we can and figure out like, how can this benefit our own use case?
0: And then just out of curiosity, which tool do you think has benefited your sales team the most?
1: Definitely Salesforce and Outlook. Because, <laughs> I mean, that's our bread and butter in terms of communicating with prospects and whatnot. We also utilize Ring Central, which is a calling software that we use to basically make calls outside. But those three tied closely together in terms of communication and whatnot.
0: Hmm. I've never played around with the Salesforce myself, so I haven't had mm. any experience with it. What's your, what's your it. thoughts on it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I personally used HubSpot before Salesforce. So (laughs) at Quarkus, we used HubSpot. And then when I got at Splashtop, we used Salesforce. And honestly, I love certain particular features of HubSpot, like email sequencing. That was something that was super useful for us at Quarkus. But with Salesforce, they don't have certain tools already built in. You have to like integrate it with like some other app or integration that you want to add there to basically be able to do that. I mean, they do have like out of the box stuff, but it isn't as fully fledged out. But for what it does, Salesforce is super useful in terms of keeping things a lot more organized. And I'm a fan of the UI itself, basically being able to easily access information where I need it.
0: Okay, understood. Yeah, we're HubSpot users as well. I do mm-hmm. like the email sequences and some of the workflows you can build with Yeah. Um, so, Mike, is there anything that you've built in terms of processes that have really helped the team that you're, you know, you're super proud of?
1: Mm, that's a good question. In terms of processes, I think it would be mainly documentation. Mm Because before joining Splashtop, we did have a lot of documentation, but it wasn't really centralized. So a lot of the documentation was everywhere. And I think something that I'm trying to still do is basically help consolidate all that information into one accessible location. And so we've added Confluence to our tech stack and basically been able to uh, start solidifying a lot of our information there. And what I'm doing is trying to get all the tidbits and whatnot from all the documentation we have currently and just updating that and creating certain processes that make that transition a lot easier for people to find information. I think information is great, but if it's not accessible, then that's a problem where like a lot of your team won't know where to find the resources they need to be successful. And so the biggest thing that I'm proud of is Basically, being able to consolidate all of this and make that process a lot easier for people, especially new hires and whatnot, or even veterans who are trying to find information that they haven't looked at for a while, you know.
0: Yeah, and it's it's especially useful, especially when you're in the current sales negotiations or the prospect is like, "Yeah, send me some more information on an email after the call." Then, and you because, for example, sometimes the issue we have in my company sales flow is. Mm -hmm. We use monday.com, which has some information, Google Drive, which has some information, Havascript documents, mm. which have some information. <laughs> so it's a real hassle to try and find the right one or where it is. So yeah. it really must have, I can see what, how, it, how it helps your team um, mm-hmm. become more efficient. Yeah. So now in terms of anything that you see within any sales reps, you know, is there anything that a particular sales rep could do Is there any advice you can give an SDR to help improve their sales process? Any particular tools, any tips?
1: Mm, Yeah, sure thing, Leo. So basically, I mean, there's a lot of different things that I could potentially talk about. But I think I'm going to try to change the narrative a little bit by talking about a particular trait or characteristic that I think SDRs would definitely thrive on. So it's in terms of developing something called emotional intelligence, which is basically this ability to understand the feelings and emotions of not only yourself, but others, and the ability to use that knowledge to guide your actions and thoughts through developing your sense of emotional intelligence. You'll be able to listen better, accomplish more by doing less, and then understand situations from different perspectives. And I think as an SDR, it's really important that you're trying to qualify or understand needs, right? So if you're not able to communicate that properly by actually developing your own sense of emotional intelligence, where you're able to connect on um, human to human level, then it's a lot harder to, you know, craft a narrative that makes sense for both of you. And I mean, that being said, it's definitely something that doesn't happen overnight. And you'll definitely have to constantly work at it. But I think at the end of the day, you'll be glad you worked on building your emotional intelligence there.
0: That's a great advice there, Mike. Mm-hmm. So thanks. I really want to take this and understand because you were also voted, if I'm correct, correct me if I'm wrong, LinkedIn's mm-hmm. 100 sales star list. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Tell me a bit more about that.
1: Yeah. Great question. So the top 100 LinkedIn sales stars list is a list that's carefully catered by Scott Ingram, and it features the top 100 sales professionals on LinkedIn. And it's based on their engagement rate. I mean, it's super amazing and humbling to be featured among so many great professionals in the larger sales community. But something that a lot of people may not know is I'm actually still very early in my content creation journey. I've always wanted to be able to share and document my journey. But there was a bit of hesitancy because I was, you know, coming out of college, I was somebody that I didn't think people would listen to because I didn't have a lot of experience. But at the end of July this year, I decided, you know what, uh, maybe it should just start posting anyway. So I decided to start posting twice a week, every Monday and Friday. And I never expected it to actually get the engagement like it did. That being said, my main objective with LinkedIn is to basically empower people to feel heard championed and supported and i think the best way that i can do that is just to simply provide value where i can
0: that's amazing and that's amazing how you took the first step to do it because even for Mm -hmm. me you know i'm still i haven't implemented anything you know scheduled like you monday to friday and just doing stuff and, and what kind of content do you plan
1: yeah i mean my content is very surrounded around empowerment in terms of sales processes or trying to talk about sales and also around creativity as well as like human first. So a lot of my content is surrounded around understanding what the human psychology looks like and how to apply that to everyday life. And so, I mean, I try to like tie everything together into like this human first aspect and basically try to portray that in my content.
0: So I really like that human psychology. Because I'm quite big on making sure your mentality is right, making sure you have yeah. a positive outlook on things. Mm-hmm. Even when the things are hard, is, you know, that's one of the things that I used to struggle with. I still do struggle with sometimes is yeah. things are beating you down. It's like, how can you have a positive outlook on life?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, most definitely.
0: Cool. So one of the things I want to ask you, because we, said, we spoke offline and you've mm-hmm. been reading over the weekend. Is there any particular books that you, any recommended readings you have?
1: Yeah, there's this book called Search Inside Yourself by Chade Meng Tan. And in this book, Meng explores this concept of mindfulness, how to apply it and its impact on personal growth and development. I highly recommend it for anyone looking for reads about being intentional, emotional intelligence, and empathy, because these are all aspects that I'm constantly looking to embody into everything I do. And moreover, it's actually helped propel my career forward in ways that I couldn't even explain. And again, that ties into that human first aspect. So I think this book has really changed my own thought process because it's really helped cater even my personal branding and how I carry myself in life itself.
0: That's amazing how you've taken a book and you've actually applied it because Mm -hmm. I think me personally, I'm always guilty of reading a book and then trying to move on to the next one rather than taking a step (laughs) back. How can I take this and try and apply it today?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think something that's very interesting is like, when you read something, I think it's crucial to basically take certain portions that are relevant to you. Because I think not everything you read will actually be relevant. But like, if you can find particular points that align with your own goals and missions, it makes it a lot easier to remember those things and apply it to your life and what you want to be able to do.
0: So, is there any particular technique you do to try and absorb the learning from the book? And like, for example, do you just. Underline the book? Would you note it down elsewhere?
1: Yeah. So I utilize something called Notion. It's a software tool. It's basically a software tool that allows you to have this space where you can create things that are relevant to you. So I utilize it to basically help with my own content creation as well as for inspiration purposes. So if there's like a particular quote or something I want to write down, I'll be able to type it real quick and add it to Notion and then just have it within my space and then be able to access it later on. And the great thing about it is, let's say, even books that you want to read later on in the future, but you just want to remember and have a list, you'll be able to create a list within Notion and be able to reference that later. So a lot of the information is easily accessible because it's multi-platform. So they have it on mobile devices as well as your desktop and whatnot.
0: Mike, I'm a huge fan of Notion. I love it. Oh, Um, awesome. And this is is what my go-to recommendation tool for someone is like, listen, do you have Notion? And then they're like, no, then, then I show them what I do with uh-huh. it. It's, so it's, like, it's almost like a, a second brain. It's, it's, I, I watched, a, exactly. I watched a, con- a YouTuber called Ali, I forgot the surname, mm-hmm. but he's massive on, on Notion. And so mm-hmm. any ideas, any books that I need to re- any reading, or if I read a book, I note it within the book as well, you're noting down the, the key points and yeah. just anything related to life, it goes into Notion.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I think it's a great tool specifically just because of the use case, like there's technically unlimited use cases if you think about it that way, where it's like you have these Lego pieces where you can basically build whatever you want or a blank sheet of paper where you can draw whatever you want. So that's what I really love about Notion and the ability it gives you to basically create what you want versus like what someone else wants.
0: Exactly. I think that ties in with your passion to build processes as well. And I think Notion (laughs) is a great tool. So Mike, Just to wrap things up, I'd love to hear what your goals would be for 2021.
1: Yeah. I mean, for now, my goals in particular are to basically help continue to build out our operations function at Splashtop. And particularly, there's this thing called revenue operations, which is a relatively new term. So a lot of people coin this term as like famous sales operations. But I think revenue operations encompasses the entire customer life cycle, everything from marketing to sales to customer success and so on. And basically what you'll notice at a lot of different organizations is a lot of times there's these things called silos where um, particular departments will get very set on what they do and they'll be really good at what they do, but they won't be able to understand what the transition from that department to the next department will look like. So something from like a marketing qualified lead, and turning that into sales qualified lead, passing that alongside to sales, and what that process kind of looks like. And so what I want to be able to do, Splash Top, is particularly uh, break down these silos and kind of build out this revenue operations function. So that way we can communicate across the entire customer lifecycle and basically make that process as easy as possible for not just ourselves, but our customers and potential prospects.
0: And is there anything that you're doing to help achieve that goal?
1: Yeah, uh, so I'm working very closely with our management to basically understand our needs and where we need to go on in the future. And a lot of it's also me interacting with the team, especially in ops. I think the biggest thing is being able to communicate with a lot of different people because you'll notice that like sometimes you'll say something, but it won't really click. It'll click for you because you're used to that particular messaging or how you said it. But I think it's also important to understand other communication styles and how you can best apply yourself there. And I think through basically communicating with both management and directly our sales team, our customer success team, and understanding even marketing, I think that is this key that we need to basically help push towards centralized revenue operations function.
0: It's amazing. Amazing. Mike, thank you for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure interviewing you and having you on this podcast Guys, if there's anything that you want and you want to speak with Mike, he's on LinkedIn, Mike Lesap, um at SplashTop. And Mike, thank you again for jumping on this podcast.
1: Yeah, thanks so much, Leah. Really appreciate it.